Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution podcast. For more content, visit moralrevolution.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It is so good to be here with you guys. We are having a great time in Alaska. It's beautiful weather here. We, um, I don't know if you're following the, the uh, contiguous 48 states news, but you know, the western half of the country is like on fire, it seems like. Um, California has certainly had a lot of fires, like right near Redding, where we're, we're from. So it's, it's been a crazy season. And the air quality there today is like 350 or something, which if you follow that, it's, it's horrible, hazardous to your health. And it was like zero here yesterday. <laughs> like, wow. So it is nice to get some fresh air up here and be around awesome people and um, just your beautiful state. It's, I love mountains. Mountains minister to me. Like, so I just, I just been staring at the mountains as we, as we've been here. But um, I'm, um, I'm just gonna open up and kind of share my story with you this morning. And I just really feel the compassion of the Lord as I was kind of preparing in my mind to speak to you. And you know, my my topic is about homosexuality. So it's maybe not something that we talk about in church all the time, um, but I think that's part of the problem, actually, is that this is not talked about, and therefore everyone has to kind of draw their own conclusions in the quiet, and probably without very much information. So, fasten your seatbelts, and um, I, I promise to. Uh, now, do we have do we have children in here? Not so. I don't. I'm not seeing. I'll be. I'll be sensitive anyway. But if there, yeah, we got a few kids in here. So if there's, if it starts to feel like uh, I'm not sure where he's headed, I'm not going to be offended if you need to go take a break in the lobby or something like that with your child. I will be sensitive, but um, but I I am going to talk pretty straight. So let's just pray, Father. We just thank you that if it matters to us, it matters to you. And I thank you for a a group of people, Lord, who are totally dedicated to loving you well, to um, following you, not just receiving from you, but actually following you. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us instruction this morning about how we can follow you more closely, how we can represent you in the earth, whether it's Uh, to our friend, to our family, um, or to someone we don't even know. Lord, I ask that your presence would just come, that you would just settle on us this morning even more than already is happening right now, and and that we would feel your compassion that you feel for people, that, that we can keep your standards, but also we can have your compassion as we move through the earth, so... We just love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Um, Before I start here, um, I just want to let you know, I have a few resources back there that might be helpful to some of you. Um, This is my story. Is there anybody in here, it's like, either you need this story or you're close to someone who actually 
is looking for help with homosexuality like you. In other words, I don't want you to say, oh, I know somebody that needs to hear this. <laughs> um, but somebody that, that actually, it's like, oh, I, I need this story. Um, this, is, this is me walking out of homosexuality. This story is called Gay or Happy. Anybody does that resonate with? It's always an awkward thing to uh, come up. Yeah, come on up here. There you go. Sure. And then I also have um, a teaching as well that is um, about five years ago, I was like, Lord, help me break this down. How do I, how do I communicate how, how the Lord walked me into healing and freedom? What are those elements? Like, how do I break this down for people? And, and so in that season, I was in the shower one day, just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, I just started getting this download of these key elements. And so I jumped out so I could write it down. And so I've, I've turned that into a teaching. And, um, and then also, I, I founded a ministry along with my um, ministry partner, Elizabeth Wanning, a few years ago. It's called Equip to Love. And we're actually a subset of Moral Revolution. And we did a, like a six-part teaching on homosexuality and the church. So kind of everything you might want to know from what our story, you know, we tell our stories in there about what God did for us, what, what pain we came out of, what freedom looks like for us. We also go into depth on scripture. What does scripture really say about homosexuality? What does science say about homosexuality? Um, we also, Chris Valton talks about, um, he's our, the prophet, one of the senior leaders at, at, at Bethel Church, and, and he uh, talks about kind of what is it like in leadership, you know, how does that affect you as a leader? Um, but we just dive into the whole thing, it's probably 10 or 11 hours worth of teaching, and, and that's called Homosexuality in the Church, and, and that's back there too, um, if you're interested. But, um, you know, this morning, I want you to catch... Um, the compassion of the Lord for people experiencing homosexuality. That's, if we can get that, then we, we won't have to have a whole lot of instruction on how to behave, what to say, what to do. Um, you know, times are changing right now. The, we have access to so much information. You know, we have basically the whole world walking around with us on a high-definition screen, right? So we have access to so much, and so much of that is good, and so much of that is, is a temptation as well. But um, we're so disconnected from each other, um, at least where I live. I mean, we, we, we spend so much of our time scrolling, looking at what someone else is doing, that we're not paying as much attention to what we're doing, you know? I mean, I think relationships, I mean, I just, I, anytime I hear that, like, there's a potluck dinner or something like that, y'all, like y'all are doing today, it's like, ah, that's so good, because people are going to be connecting with each other, you know, they, and they made food for each other, they, there's fellow, there's real fellowship going on, and, and I love, I mean, I use Facebook and Instagram and and all kinds of social media stuff. And I, I, I connect with people virtually all the time. And I love that. I'm actually able to help people because I'll, I'll Skype with people and help them with their area of struggle. But for all of that that we're doing, so much of it is taking me away from a personal, real encounter, inter interaction with another human being. 
I mean, it makes a difference. You know that they've they've studied you know little little babies and babies that are not held are much more likely to have failure to thrive. Like they'll, it affects physical health when we are not connected to each other, when we're not touching each other, we're not getting a hug, we're not we're not feeling the nurture that we're designed to give to each other. And so it's a new day here. There there are. There's an increased experience of sexual brokenness simply because we're not getting our basic emotional needs met anymore just by being in community with each other. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, think about it, you know, 100 years ago, it's like you're working on the farm, your whole family, probably have a large family, you're all there working together, rubbing shoulders with each other, you're laughing together, you're, even while you're at work, I mean, I'm stereotyping, of course, but but much more so than today, that would have been typical. And you're like, you, you know, the, the sons are experiencing life with the dad because they're, they're working next to each other. You know, and, and maybe the, the girls are maybe in, inside the house with the mom making the rest of the, all of the world work and, and that kind of thing. Or maybe they're all out in the field together. I don't know. But there's community happening. Today... It's like the kids go off to school, both parents go off to separate jobs, and then when you get home, you're, both, you're staring at a, a screen, you know? So there's so, we, we, our emotional needs are not getting met today. Now, my story, of course, started before the whole, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, so it's like I, you know, I had Space Invaders when I was eight or nine, you know, I had some, I had some, some technology, but, but not like today. And yet, I found myself, as about a 13, 14, 15-year-old, I started figuring out, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Something, I'm not like everybody else. Something's wrong here. And the lights came on for me in a, in a major way when I was 15. I, I had had questions about myself, but when I was 15, I was uh, babysitting a kid, he was asleep, and I was watching TV, and this movie comes on. And the movie is about um, a 15-year-old boy who realizes that he thinks he's gay. And I watched my life play out on television. It was just like my life. So the mockery at school, you know, being called a sissy or a fag or gay or a girl or... um, the insecurities that he felt, him not feeling like he's known by anybody deeply, um, wanting to hide, not wanting to go outside the house, just kind of stay inside. All, all of this, I'm watching my life play out on TV. And as that story went, um, he finally broke down, told his parents. His parents said, you know, we'll, we'll get you some help, take some to a psychologist. The psychologist um, meets with him, you know, regularly for months and finally says, you know what? Everyone just needs to embrace this. This is your identity. You, you are, are born gay. You're, you're a homosexual. And so everyone just needs to embrace that. And so by myself, as a 15-year-old, in the dark of this house... I, I had a complete panic attack because in general, most of the time, people don't want to 
experience a homosexual identity. Now, that's not what you're going to see on TV. That's not what you're going to hear. That might not even be what the person would tell you who was dealing with this. But I can tell you, you didn't, you didn't want that. It's not like you woke up someday and said, I think I'll be rebellious. And certainly, in the 80s, that wouldn't have been the case. I mean, it was absolutely taboo, you know, in the 80s for anybody to be homosexual. So when I, when I discovered this about myself, I mean, I was absolutely panicked. Abs- and, and add to that, I got radically saved when I was eight years old. I mean, I was on fire for Jesus. I, I gave my life to him. I, I received everything he had, and I was working to please him. I wanted to be pleasing to the Lord very badly. And, and I knew that the Bible said that homosexuality was a sin. And so I just absolutely panicked. I thought, I, I, I'm condemned to hell. I've got, I have no hope. And that is such a, I want you to catch this because that is common for people that are experiencing same-sex attraction. They feel trapped. They feel like this is who, it's not something I'm experiencing, it's who I am, right? Because everything in society tells us that. In society, you don't hear the message of, you might experience some, some attraction to the same sex and you might experience some tra- attraction to the opposite sex. But if you've experienced, you know, but, but, but that doesn't make you one or the other. Like, they're like, if you've had any attraction to the same sex, you're gay. That's what we're taught in culture. So when that happens to you, you're like, oh, this is who I am. And then you read scripture and it's like, well, that's not okay. That life is not okay. No one sits you down and says, hey, there's a whole lot of sexual things you might experience. Just because you have a same-sex desire doesn't mean that's who you are. That's just, that could have just jumped on you or whatever we're going to say. But nobody, nobody explains this to you. So you then start assuming, plus, see, I had the whole community around me mocking my effeminate mannerisms and things like that. So I'm getting reinforcement all over the place. Then if you turn on the TV, you've gotten reinforcement because the stereotype that they are portraying on there, people have said those about me, right? Oh, you, you're, you're a neat freak or you're, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's like, you know, there's this, there's this identity out there that goes with gay and I've already been, that's already been confirmed in me many, many different times in different ways from different people. So it's a, it is a very scary place to be. And so what we've had historically is, you know, in the 80s, it's like, well, that person's just going to hell. And we just got to get, we got to cleanse the earth of these people. Certainly if you were a church person, I'm, I'm, I'm of course, hopefully, hopefully that wasn't your, your experience or you didn't think that or your family didn't think that, but mine did. <laughs> and, all, and that was prevailing, you know, in culture. In the church, it's like, these, these are bad people. They're going to destroy, they're, they're bringing hellfire and brimstone down on our nation because they're behaving this way, right? I think I just got an amen from a very small person. And now what do we do? Now, 21st century, we say, hey, you be you. It's all good. You know, we're, 
we got to love, you know, love is the main thing. And, and, and we got to have tolerance, you know. First of all, can I get on a soapbox about tolerance for a second? Love me or hate me, but do not tolerate me. Have some courage. Be something to me or don't. Right? I do not respect tolerance. Compassion I respect, but we're gonna, I'm going to tolerate you? Are you kidding? Just hit me in the face. But don't tolerate me. Right? Let's be genuine people, one to another. You think you're close to me and you think I'm about to drive over a cliff? Tell me or else get out of my way. <laughs> right? I mean... Let's have a real relationship. <laughs> so the fact that out there, that what we're supposed to be doing is tolerating people, like, no, tolerate means is distance. Tolerate means I'm going to let you do your thing over there. We don't need that. Thank you, that felt good. So... I never felt comfortable with the boys or with the girls. And that's common with homosexuality. You don't feel like you belong anywhere. And think of the self-questioning. It's like, oh, okay, so these people are saying this about me. I feel this way. I get sexually aroused looking at a boy, not a girl. That's not what I want, but that's all that happens. What is wrong with me? You know, where do I go for help? You know, and, and I knew... When, when I'm really figuring all this out, it's like, well, I can't tell a soul. How many times have I heard someone tell a secret and they weren't supposed to tell anybody and they told me or they told a very close friend who don't, you know, who said, now you can't tell anybody. I know when I tell them that I'm dealing with homosexuality, the most embarrassing, horrific thing, they're going to tell somebody and that person is going to tell somebody and they're going to tell somebody in a week and a half, maybe they won't say it to my face, but everybody knows that I like men. So there is no safe place, not even in the church. At least there's plenty of reason to believe that, right? And it's not the kind of thing you can take back. <laughs> Once it's out there, it's out there. So, so life was very serious for me as a child. I, I, I was working constantly to, 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 to rein in my weird mannerism, to not, you know, have my foot go out like this when I'm giving someone a hug. That happened in the hallway when I'm in eighth grade. Humiliating. So I'm like, why did that happen? And how many people saw that? Just weird. Yeah. And so... You know, it, it's, the, it's the pressure from other people, but it's also just hating yourself. You're like, I don't want this. I don't want to be this. But I don't know how to change it. I've prayed 150,000 times for God to take this away, and it's still here, full bore. And so then, what does that do to your relationship with God? You're like, this is a lot of work, and I don't seem to be getting a lot of payoff is how it feels. And largely, in my upbringing, you know, we had the knowledge of God, but not any of the power. You know, we, we knew about God, but we didn't know God. And that wouldn't be my assumption as, as what the situation is here. 
because I, I know your pastor. And so, so that helps a lot, the fact that we actually know God in this church. Knowing about God wasn't very helpful for me. It was just more, I, I just really felt like he just was there to throw lightning bolts at me when I was bad, which felt like a lot of the time. So, I, now let me tell you some other things that happened to me in my childhood. I was exposed to, um, to pornography. A babysitter showed me some pornography when I was about eight. He said, hey, doesn't, doesn't that turn you on? I'm eight. Nope. Didn't do anything for me. Just slimed me because I wasn't supposed to see that. And, and I took that as, up. Oh, something's wrong with me. I didn't meet the grade. The big, impressive, strong boy that I look up to Something's wrong with me because this doesn't do anything for me, okay? So there's a lie that entered. Add to that, a neighborhood boy, um, he just all of a sudden started doing this strip thing, showing, you know, walking around naked and then touched me and stuff like that. So I, I was damaged by that as well. The enemy told me plenty of lies about, that, oh, that was something wrong with me that he did that. I also were playing in a field. We opened a boot box. This is very common, actually. And, of course, nowadays, it, it just happens on these, so you don't have to leave the house. But, you know, it was very, I don't know how many dozens of stories I've heard about I was out in a field and opened a box, and that's where the person first got exposed to pornography. And I saw this hardcore gay pornography, and I felt like, have you ever accidentally stuck your finger into an electrical outlet and it fried, it like, you know, jars you, it shocks you. I felt like I had been singed, like damaged after having seen those images. And I didn't even know what I was looking at, really. And the shame, ugh. I mean, I just started pretending at a whole nother level from that day forth. Just pretending all the time. That is what largely someone dealing with gender confusion or homosexuality, they're pretending all the time. Do you know how much energy that takes? to constantly be pretending. And so by the time I was like, oh, I also then, um, I was so religious and self-righteous because I'm feeling so shameful. I'm having to create my own righteousness every day. I'm having to find a way to love myself every day because I know that I'm damaged from the core. That's what I feel. So I've got, to, I've got to work harder. I've got to strive. I've got to do something impressive. I've got to get straight A's. I've got to, I've got to work this up all the time. And, and, but it's, it's, it's never enough. And so when I, um, well, in my teens, this, uh, I, meet this, I meet this guy, normal guy, but he, he, he befriended me. Those people I would latch onto because I was weird. I didn't fit in. And so when somebody like actually gave me eye contact, actually, you know, listened to me and, and, and had a relationship with me, it was like, it was like water in the desert. And um, so this guy did, he, you know, we, we started to form this friendship and eventually, one night we were just spending the night, and all of a sudden, he, he touched me. And I, I you know, as, as strong a morals as I had, which sounds weird with this whole story, but it's like I knew that sexual sin was very bad, very wrong. And so as much as I would never have done anything like that, when he touched me, I, I couldn't stop him. 
I was responsible to stop him. I'll be clear about that. But I, I didn't. I did not seem to find the self-discipline because I finally felt valued. For me, it was saying, you're a man. I value you as a man. You mean something. Y- you know, you're attractive. You're valuable. That's what, that's what I was getting. Add to that, it just feels good to be touched. And so that went on, this mutual thing, in that way for months. And it was the most feel-good thing but every time, immediately left me feeling worse. You know, damaged and, and unrighteous. Um, that God was ashamed of me or hated me. And that's how I felt all the time. So when a family moved, you know, took us away, it was like, ah, oh, I can breathe again. But, it, but my band-aid for life was torn off, right? I mean, this was, this, he was the thing that was giving me value, and I had had this from, I could take you through my school pictures from first grade all the way into college. And I could show you the one person that I was dependent upon, that was completely in love with, fixated on. Because, see, homosexuality is a search for self. You're actually looking for you. You don't know who you is, so you're going to try to find it in someone else. I'm simplifying for you. There, there could be other flavors, but in general, it is a search for self. And it's easier to go find, oh, here's a special, oh, this guy, look, he's strong, he's, he's tall, he's, he's powerful, he's self-confident, girls like him. But like, oh, if I could just be that. Like, just, let's just throw all of this away, and we could just have that. So it's, it's an attempt to, to get that, externally, which of course will never work, right? So at its core, this is not a sexual problem. It's an emotional brokenness problem. And so, you know, by the time I was 17, I was just exhausted and, uh, you know, didn't, wasn't, didn't have anybody in that, in my life like that, that was affirming me at that point. And I just melted down. And so, um, you know, I, I was like, I had decided ever since I'd watched that movie, I'm just going to stay alive for the sake of my family because I wasn't having any joy. I mean, I had, I had good moments. I mean, I was like any other kid, but, but they were few and far between. And I was like, you know what? I, I, trying to stay alive on behalf of someone else is only going to work for so long, you know? You got you to gotta be experiencing some love yourself or you can't keep fake it forever. And so... I, I, one day I went to the Christian bookstore, snuck in, put a ball cap on, and made sure nobody was around, looked in the self-help section. There was not a single resource on how to come out of homosexuality, but there was a book of everything that can be wrong with you. And so I flip open to the index of that thing, and it's like this thick, and there was like maybe a half a page or a page on homosexuality, and it says, you know, if you're, if you're experiencing same-sex attraction, this is how you're made, and this is your thorn in the flesh. Now, I don't know how they knew to interpret that scripture as, as, and apply it there, but they did. 
And so I'm left to believe, you mean to tell me that God said that homosexuality is a sin several places very clearly. And it's from the beginning of scripture to the end, Old and New Testament, it is clearly wrong. And yet this is what you've, how you've created me. First of all, Hebrews tells us that God doesn't tempt us. So you mean you, you, you wired me to be tempted for, with that desire but told me I can't live that way. But uh, hey, they're the experts. I'm reading this, you know, written by a bunch of smart people smarter than me. This is your thorn in the flesh. And you, can, you will never, it'll never change. You'll never develop attraction to the opposite sex if this is how, what you're feeling. But if you have counseling every week, forever, then you can refrain from acting out on those sin urges. And it actually said this will cost you approximately $250,000. Now, I bust tables at a barbecue restaurant for $3.30 an hour. And I'm wondering where I'm going to come up with a quarter mil. That was fairly depressing. So I actually walked out of the Christian bookstore suicidal. That's a sad state of affairs. And I... uh, I've just started melting down. I started skipping school. I was like a straight A student pretty much and, and, and started skipping school and just freaking out. And so I wrote out nine pages one night, went out in the basement of our house. I wrote out nine pages front and back of just pain, anger, vulgarity. I just vomited the whole thing out. And I took it to the next day, I skipped school, took it to my pastor the next day and he reads through it with his eyes, you know, pretty big, and says, um, well, Ken, you're not gay. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not sure how that didn't come through clearly on nine pages. Um, <laughs> so on the one hand, he was an absolute idiot for saying that. Um, and on the other hand, that's the truth. I needed to hear that. I just kind of wish he would have put a little more empathy in there, like, ooh, this must have been painful, you know. <clears throat> um, but anyway, and the guy, hey, he was 25 years old. I mean, he'd never dealt with this before. I mean, what was he supposed to say? He didn't, you know, he didn't know. He was trying to help me. And um, so he says, well, what we're going to do, we're, we're going to tell your parents. So I was like, well, no, ooh, ho, ho, that is what we're not going to do is tell my parents. That's why I told you, right? He's like, nope, we actually are telling your parents tonight. I'm calling them in a minute. And I was like, I was so angry and scared and completely relieved all at one moment because maybe I was going to get some help. And um, so we did. Sent my sister off back into her bedroom. God bless her. That was weird for her. And um, comes over. He start, we started talking to my parents, and my parents and I cried for two solid hours. Just wept and wept. And they said, well, what? You know, they're scared too. They're like, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to live this life, but that's, what I, that's all I'm attracted to. And they said, well, we're going to fix you, you know. <laughs> I was like, that sounds good. So they got me to see this Christian psychologist who I saw regularly for five years every week. And he kept me alive 
He gave me hope. He told me that God loved me, which I don't care how many times you say that to somebody dealing with homosexuality, they likely cannot hear it. Um, and I know there's the whole, you know, quote, you can be a gay Christian now whole deal that hopefully I'll touch on in a minute. So maybe there's some love there for them. But in general, it's such rejection of self. It's such self-hatred that not much love from God is able to go in usually. And I just, uh, I just started seeing this counselor and, and he taught me grace. He was like, Ken, you have to understand, it's not just about the law. There's grace. Stuff has happened to you. You, you, you formulated these, these ways of, of believing and behaving over many years. And God will, is, has time for, to walk you <clears throat> into a more healed up place. And it's like, you, you know, give yourself some slack kind of thing. I, I was unable to do that. Because it was, it was, I had to be exactly perfect or else I was of no value. There's a lot of religion that goes into homosexuality as well. Performance, all that. And, you know, the counseling did not heal me. It kept me alive. It gave me enough hope to go till the next day. But what happened is in 1996, February 4th, 1996, I had a radical supernatural healing from a five-year illness. I had been to everybody. We'd spent tons of money going to every kind of doctor, every kind of nutritionalist, uh, alternative medicine, everything. Nothing was working. I had acid reflux disease, and um, there weren't, they had, didn't have the drugs that they have now to make, the, make that go away, even to deal with the symptoms. So I was in pain all the time, and bam, this guy lays hands on me, prays for me, ministers to me. He was going to a Kenneth Hagin's school at the time in Oklahoma, and bam, all of the pain left. I had this radical encounter with God, and I was completely set free. Yeah. And I had a conclusion to draw. I was like, I got acid reflux disease because I drank five beers in 20 minutes and passed out. So I did not deserve to be healed. I brought that on myself. And he healed me anyway. What, who is this God? What is this? This wasn't my performance. It's every, all life for me was one big equation. One, you know, you put in this, A plus B equals that. No. This blew my circuits. I'm like, you mean you're actually just good? God, he's, he's good. Like he's not walking around a taskmaster, making sure that everybody does everything right all the time. He actually cares about me. What? I was dumbfounded. So I said, I must find out more about this person. So I started camping out just all day long in the Christian. I hadn't been able to have a job because I was so sick. So I just go to the, the Christian bookstore and sit in the charismatic section and just read book after book, giving me all this hope about that Jesus actually comes through for people. He actually, he heals our, I'm like, wait a minute. So if he told me homosexuality is wrong, then he must heal it. He must have a solution for it. He's not going to say it's wrong and then say, well, good luck with that. I mean, right? Like, if he commands us to do something, he gives us the grace to follow through on it. I'm like, wow. So I was like, I am, I am headed in my car in this direction. I don't care what. I, I, I have seen something that's real, and I'm not going to turn around until I get what I came for. 
And, and so I just started on that journey. I mean, I was in church five, six times a week. There was a, this is when the Toronto blessing had broken out. And so revival, there's a lot of different churches and revival and stuff. And so, I mean, I was at a different revival service every week watching somebody get touched from God some, some way. And it would just tell me, wait a minute. Okay. I may not have all my breakthrough yet, but God does miraculous stuff. He comes through for people and he cares about them. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I just kept going. And then it's like, God, you know, boy, when your heart is right, when you're headed toward the Lord, you're honoring the Lord. I mean, he will make a way you know, where there's no way he will make a way. And so it's like, you know, this person out of nowhere, I'm standing in line at Kinko's to get something like, start talking to me about deliverance. I'm like, what is this? You know, spirits, what? I don't know. We, and, and, so, and then another person out of the clear blue just will start telling me the same thing. And then I bump into somebody in my apartment complex and they're like, you should come over to our house. We, we you know, we practice the gifts of the spirit. So I'm like, well, that's what these other people have been telling me about. And I've been in church every week, four times since I was, could breathe. And I've never heard about this stuff. I mean, God just led me down this path, like breadcrumbs. I'm just picking up the breadcrumbs. And I started experiencing his presence. I mean, I had, I got filled with the spirit in a technicolor, um, 3D heaven encounter on my bed. He woke me up one night and I'm in this golden bubble that's liquid peace and love inside that thing. I could not feel one care. I'm thinking about, I'm actually trying to think if I can stress myself out because I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this is incredible. I have no care. I think to myself, if this apartment, cause I could see through the bubble into my apartment and I thought if my apartment were on fire right now, I wouldn't move. I'm unconcerned. Like this is incredible. I mean, he started showing up and, and showing me how real he was. I'm like, I can breathe. Like, I feel, I feel loved. I feel valued. That's what the homosexual needs. They don't know that they're, they're valued, and they don't feel known by anybody. So they're going to a sex act to try to get that. And so... I just, you know, keep going, to, picking up these breadcrumbs and, and following the Lord. And I would just read, you know, just devour scripture for days at a time, just reading all day long. And the Lord just broke, he just, he, he broke these chains off of me. He, the, I, I went through deliverances that would be viral on YouTube if they had recorded that. I mean, it was crazy, crazy stuff. But I mean, these, you know, and, and let me camp here for a second. I think that almost all the time when you're talking about gender confusion, homosexuality, you're talking about a demonic spirit. But that's not all. So there's a whole tribe out there that thinks, that, well, you know, brother, you just need to quit, you know, giving in to this spirit. And something. it is way more complex than that. That thing, if, if you've been experiencing that for 15 years, your entire world is now colored with that perspective. Everyone knows you as that. So the reinforcement you get back, they're, they're, it, people are expecting me to behave more effeminate because I always have. So even if the spirit leaves, I've got a community that needs to adapt to my new reality as well. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. I've got to change a lot of the things. That's true of deliverance in general. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to re-architect your, your world and dismantle the strongholds in your mind and start believing what's true. But that's difficult for any of us with whatever we're trying to change from. And so 
these men, you know, in my, in my church came around me and they, 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 um, they just loved me and they treated me just like every other guy. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ is the solution to this. I'm telling you. The guys that helped me more than anybody was not the psychologist with the, with the degrees and the training. It was, I mean, he helped, but it was men that came around me and some women as well, but just said, hey, you're, you know, like they wanted to know me. I mean, this, uh, this pastor met with me solid for a whole year after I finished school ministry at Bethel for three. That was instrumental too. And he just would listen to me get my pain out. I mean, he gave up a couple hours with his family almost every Saturday morning for a year. And I would sit there and just process, just say, well, I looked at porn again. He's like, Ken, it's just not who you are. Sorry. I don't care what you looked at. It's just not who you are. You're a man of God. That's it. God doesn't give out all these 80 different kinds of identities or genders or all that stuff. You're male or you're female. It started in Genesis. Biology bears it out. There are mutations. There are deformities that can happen in people. But there are not a bunch of genders. There's male and there's female. It's impossible for someone to be born a gay male. That's not an option. It's not real. You can have things that happen to you that gave you a predisposition to that. You might even have a generational curse that bore out in your, you know, in your family line. It's like the sins of the forefathers are passed to the third and fourth generation. You might have picked up something like that. But none of it is not absolutely changeable by the power of God. It's just we got to be careful in how we offer that to other people because merely insinuating, this is what's so hard about what I do, my sharing that, that Jesus has transformed me rips out the ground that these people are standing on because they haven't met God in that way that I have. And neither had I before I did, right? <laughs> so it's almost, it's, it's horrible. Every time I share my story, I'm giving hope to one person and I'm destroying another person's thing that they're surviving on right now. Because they, you know, I mean, hopefully God is, is working in that moment. But boy, you know, when you, sh- when you share a standard with somebody, they, they compare themselves to it. And, and it's, my heart though is to, is to help heal to, that that healing flows to them as well. And so we have to be careful when we share. So, you know, when you, when you go back to your, you know, to your environment that your, is your normal work week or whatever, you know, just, just really try to hear the Lord on how you share about this guy that you heard that talked on Sunday morning. Because it's just sensitive material. When you're talking identity, it's deep. And, um, but love, you know, carrying the compassion and the love of Christ to people one-on-one and listening, listening is key to the people that are in your life. Not just about their story of sexuality, letting them feel known. Like I have time for you in this busy world. I've got a, I've got a moment here where I'm all, I'm all in with you. I care about what's happening in your life. And I'm telling you, if, if that's how people are experiencing you, rather than a preacher preaching at them, then when their down days come, they're likely to come to you and you can say, you know what? 
I see your future and it's bright. I see God coming through for you in your future. I don't know what all you're dealing with, but I see there's some insecurities in you. I don't know what all that is, but it's not too much for God. And I I can tell you, he cares more about that insecurity that you're experiencing than you do. And if you'll walk with him, if you'll, if you know, let's get you some guys around you that can, that can walk through life with you, right? A lot of healing can happen just from that. And then if you've got some kind of an inner healing ministry around or sozo or deliverance or something like that, there's a lot of help there, right? Um, There's so much more I could say. I want to I say just a, a few more things on a couple, touch a couple of areas real quick. So should we just be all about love? Yeah, we should. But love rejoices with the truth. In addition to all the, the flowery, nice, happy things that love is, love rejoices with the truth and it does not delight in evil. Okay? So for me... Uh, So for me to just say, hey, let's just let everybody live and, 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 you know, and let live is unkind because I'm, I'm, uh, that's what I've been sharing with you this morning is there's pain. When you hear homosexuality or gender confusion, you hear pain. Now that's not what they're going to show you on TV. And that's likely not what the person's going to admit to you because they're trying to make it. They're, they're trying to get their life. I mean, they're trying to survive in life. So they're not going to come and, and, and say, well, yeah, I'm actually miserable with this. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to find a way through. But I want you to know that, that a life of homosexuality, did you know your lifespan, average lifespan drops from the mid eighties into the low sixties? So you celebrate someone, but Hey, God loves you. No matter what you just shaved 20 years off their lives. I mean, you didn't, you know what I mean? Like we're applauding something that's damaging. We're applauding someone injecting them with themselves with drugs in order to feel better all the time. It's the same thing. It's a drug. You're using sex as a drug. Um, rates for HIV, substance abuse, mental illness, sexually transmitted infections, cancers, alcohol abuse, eating disorders, all those go way up when you're talking about homosexuality. Even people, if, 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 they, if they go through surgeries to, ch- to try to change their sex from female to male or male to female, those people are 20 times more likely to commit suicide after the sex change. It's not a solution. So do we, treat, do we look down on someone who's manifesting as a transsexual or transgender or something? We ought to start crying when we see these people. It's not time to preach. It's not time to tell them that they've done something horrible or have represented the Lord in a terrible way or that that's not genuine or whatever. It's time to fall down sobbing that this person has had enough pain and confusion that they thought that the best way to represent themselves was to change their genitalia. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what's going on inside to find yourself there? And, you know, I, I, there's, there's so much now about trying to reinterpret scripture to say that this is okay. It's just not. It, it, you can try to spin it around and turn it and say, well, this was about idol worship in the, in the, in the temple and, and all this stuff. It's not. It's not. Those, those lines of logic, I don't have time to address it this morning. 
those don't bear out. There's a, there's a teaching. You can go um, on equiptolove.com, click on the homosexuality and the church um, product. And there's one, an individual, you don't have to buy the whole package. There's an individual teaching on homosexuality and scripture. And after you hear that, you'll be like, ah, okay. Here, it, it helps you understand why you believe what you believe. Um, can you, um, can you throw, um, is Steve, is my friend Steve in here? Yep. Hey, Steve. Can you throw up the, um, well, first of all, the, the picture of me and my wife would be great. I, I didn't do a good job of walking through the, I have, I have a teaching on how I walked into all the process of how I walked, uh, into wholeness over about 15 years. The Lord walked me into that, but I, I have not done pornography in 14, 15 years. I no longer have a masturbation struggle. Um, I'm not even tempted with that. And that was a two or three times a day thing for probably a couple of decades. I don't deal with that ever at all. Even if my wife has just had a baby and we haven't touched each other for two or three months. Uh, I don't deal with that. It's, it's amazing. I don't have codependent feelings anymore. I don't try to suck the life out of individual guys. I don't experience any of that anymore. And so I, I eventually, I had gotten enough healing that I meet this girl at my young adults group and I just can't not be with her. And I start to be attracted to her in a powerful way, we'll just say, which was shocking. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just kept going and I, you know, and we've been married for 12 years. Um, you can go to the next picture. And then these people happened as a result of our love. It's unbelievable. I, I, I mean, who would have thought I was going to be a father? I, I had, that was impossible. And, but God, right? And then if you can go to the next picture as well, Stephen. So this is crazy, you guys, but God has done such a work in my life and a lot of other people's. I want you to know, I ain't the only one who's had this experience of leaving homosexuality. These are all friends of mine now. This is just a few. And because of California trying to pass legislation that would ban books and resources that say that people can experience a change in their sexual orientation and all counseling. There's this, this bill that would ban, you would no longer, it would be illegal for someone to offer help for sexual orientation change um, for a fee. So all professionals would no longer, I wouldn't have been able, I would have killed myself without that psychologist. I guarantee it. So that would, they're trying to ban all that because they believe that it's impossible for people to change, right? And um, so I rallied this group of people, and that's my ministry partner there with me, Elizabeth. And we, we, we got all, these, all of these friends and brought them to the Capitol and demonstrated on the Capitol steps in Sacramento that, wait a minute, no, Jesus changed us. We, we don't experience homosexuality anymore. And so now there's this whole movement happening. There's all, we've, we've found our tribe now. It's like we've all gotten together. It's like, ah, and the stories are incredible. So you can go to oncegay.com and you can hear, uh, there's about 30 or 40 stories on there. We've got a book that we printed in about a month and it's 50 stories of these friends of mine that have um, left homosexuality and how Jesus ministered to them in this powerful way. And, and, and a lot of us have our own ministries to this now. Um, and... Um, and so it's a, it's a miracle, you guys, but the sponsor of the bill on the very last day, two Fridays ago, pulled the bill. Amazing. Amazing. 
And, um, and we're, we're so grateful for that. I mean, wow. But we also know that there will be other states, if not our own, that's going to try to do more stuff like this. So we, this group of people is raising up as a tribe to go out there and declare the change that's possible and the love that we have for LGBTQ people. And so um, you can go to equiptolove.com for any you know, resources in general. Morerevolution.com also has some about homosexuality as well. Um, and then oncegay.com is where you can just hear these individual stories of people. But let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you that there is always a solution. All things are possible to them that believe. And you are raising up a new breed of righteous revivalists, Lord, that there is going to be a, a movement of people that are sold out to God in such a powerful way it's going to, I just declare, it's going to shore up our theology. It's going to shore up our behavior, our, our standards for righteousness and morality and purity. That you are doing this, Lord. It is not too late for America. It is not too late for the world. You are the most attractive thing in the universe. There is no drug, no sex act, no relationship that satisfies like following and being in love with you. There's nothing that comes close. And I pray, Lord, that you use these people to be uh, you know, advocates and people that distribute this love, this, this connection to the best father in the world, the best lover in the world, the best friend in the world, that these people connect all of these others to this amazing concept of God in us, the hope of glory. I pray that you would bless them, that, that everyone, that what my words today would have been nothing but healing and hope for people. And if they weren't, that you would address that, Lord. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution podcast. For more content, visit moralrevolution.com and follow us on social media, pursuing God's design for sexuality.